Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Mastering Agility podcast series. This series aims to inspire you and others by bringing in the best people of the business. My name is Sander Deer, and I'm your host. Make sure to check out the show notes to get the link to our Discord community. We're building it. People like Martin Delman, Lawrence Bonema, and James Complein have already joined. We're trying to build a community that we can learn from each other that is going to help people develop more, whether that's with this podcast, from each other, by posting jobs, writing articles, you name it, we're doing it over there. So feel free to join. would love to see you guys there. Now you guys know Formula One is a big passion of mine and I'm definitely not the only one. Lawrence Bonema and Laila Nuya found that there are a lot of similarities between Formula One and Scrum and they created an entire talk and workshop around it they've been all around the world discussing this find out in today's episode what you can do to accelerate your scrum formula one style never a dull moment like Lawrence bonema just said after a lot of technical difficulties we're here with Lawrence with lila how are you guys doing at the end of the week Awesome. I'm actually having kind of fun because um, I'm seeing that uh, I'm not the only one who has technical glitches every now and then because we, we got started here and like last time we recorded and then it turned out we had the wrong mics and now we're recording and um, we had this interesting bug in the platform that I think it's the first time I'm seeing it. I think it's also the first time you saw it. Never experienced. Essentially no audio, which for a podcast kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. anyway, we're here now. I had a wonderful week, a great day today, Lila. Great, been a busy week, so uh, uh, glad it's weekend now, so I'm count- counting down till I uh, can uh, get on the couch, maybe pop open a bottle of beer. Yeah. Lay down, Just... do nothing, sounds like the perfect start of the week, maybe watch some of the uh, the Formula yes. 1 races or Drive to Survive, yep. which is coming out soon as well, and that's going to be the topic of today's uh, podcast recording. You guys see the similarities between Scrum, between business agility and Formula One. And you created an entire workshop around this talk. You've done this in in Washington, uh, in Amsterdam, in a lot of different places. Where did your passion come from? At what point did you start to figure out this is something that I really enjoy? For me, that's that's a a while ago. I think, uh, well, 20 plus year ago. So uh, my my boyfriend at the time was a huge uh, Formula One fan. And uh, so every Sunday with the race, uh, he was just uh, watching TV for about uh, one one hour and a half. And uh, I was just sitting on the couch with him, also looking uh, at, the, at the TV. And after a couple of races, I also uh, was hit by the Formula One virus. And since that time, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Been to a couple of races. Do you remember what Ooh, season it was? I don't know. It was, I think, 94. I think 93, 94. Oh, yes, yes. And I think my... F- and for me, it goes back even further. Mm, there's, but a bu- <laughs> there's a but. There's, a, there's a, a big exception here. There's always a but. <laughs> uh, because uh, I, I watched Formula One with my dad uh, when I was a uh, little kid already. And I think, uh, so this probably a little under 40 years ago that I started watching it. However, um, it was just something I liked to watch, right? So when I studied, I also watched it. And um, I, I liked it enough to like be at home for when the race was showing and also stay up at night for when the race was showing and 
So pretty much a normal fan. But I've I also a, started out as a normal fan, Lawrence. Everything because can happen. Lila is a next Lila is a next level Formula One fan. So when, when we were in Washington and watching the race there, then I saw what a true Formula One <laughs> fan is and that she is one. And that made me want to watch the Formula One races like with a different intensity. Uh, that's what she taught me. Uh, I'm forever grateful because now there's true parallels that I also see with that and other forms of high performance teaming. But that's mostly thanks to Lila. You're welcome. Yeah, I have to credit her for that. Should Lila be the new commentator for the Dutch national television? I don't know if I would be a a good commentator. Yeah. Yeah. People like that. I scream a lot. You know that, Lawrence. I scream a lot during a race. That's that's part of the fun. Yeah, the, it, the, the the watching Lila watch a race is almost as exciting as watching a race itself. How do you guys feel that the, the the previous season, the 2021 season, uh, went down? Yeah, it definitely. Well, ended I was with screaming a big at bang. the end. Yeah, absolutely. They're still talking about it. There's still investigation going on. I'm really curious what's yeah. going to come out of that. Yeah, what what I really liked uh, was the remark made by the officials. Like, this is, it's called racing. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Even though, arguably, um, it may have been judged a little bit better, maybe earlier even, because there were some reasons to do that at the beginning of the race, not at the end. But, yeah, it's it felt more like racing last year than in the couple of years before. And that's what I yeah. really liked. Yeah, just like products, just like any other sport if there are too many rules too many boundaries too many, too much overhead or any other things entities trying to pressure you down put you in, into your back into your cave it's not going to be that fun to watch or to be part of and i think that's what's been going on the last couple of years as well well actually <laughs> um in our research but also um looking into the parallels for high performance teaming and formula 1 it is one of the things that we highlight that Formula One does something really special with regards to the rules. They don't make any excuses for them. So when there is a new constraint posed upon the teams, they innovate within those rules, those boundaries, instead of whining about <laughs> yeah. them. Well, they also do whine about them, yes. especially if you, for example, listen at Hamilton. Level whining, I mean, yeah. that's like next <laughs> level. But then he gets into a car and just races the shit out of it, right? So and that is sheer brilliance because they complain but they comply, right? So it's not that they let it there. They then still, within those boundaries, race like you wouldn't believe. And that's what I really like. So no excuses. No, we are here to win races even under these conditions. Exactly. And that's what I really appreciate about Hamilton. It's really easy from my Dutch side to have an orange glasses on and and to, to just dismiss whatever he's doing. But the sheer brilliance of him, the consistency, the, the the level of passion and commitment into it. I mean, Bottas was in the, in the same car. He had the same level of machinery. And yet he is nowhere near the level of Lewis Hamilton. Also, the, the way he took his defeat after the race, after the last race, where I can imagine you're so disgruntled by the way that it came down. He loses his eighth uh, possibility to a championship in the absolute Domi- last dominating the part whole race of the, the championship dominating the whole race and yet still at that point being able to take a punch on the chin 
still stand up straight and walk away like that is an amazing thing to do. I mean, I don't even in my product teams, I don't take people see people taking it on the chin like that. Yeah. What what are for you the parallels that you found? <laughs> yeah, I, who's going to tell the finger pointing? Who's going to pick up? Something. <laughs> no, well, because this also what we do in the presentation, right? So I, I give like a leg up, and then Lila steps in with a vengeance. So let's do the same thing. So the the, the first thing that we found is like a crystal clear objective, um, and, and of course, uh, obje- when you see objective, everybody also starts thinking in the agile space key results, um, and that is what they do in formula one as well. The prime direct of course is to get faster, but not every team can do that in equal measure. And um, you see in different team, different teams, different objectives and crystal. And also reachable. Isn't it Lila? You also have to have a reachable goals. Yeah. In the presentation, we talk about the example of the Williams team. The once so glorious Williams team is really suffering uh, the last couple of years. And 2020 was, I think one of the most saddest years for the, for the team. And uh, I think uh, overall in the the whole season, they came to qualifying uh, to, uh, I think, 10 times. So when you create a goal for 2021, uh, of course, like Rose said, uh, you want to race in the front. You want to be in in the front, but you have to also be um, realistic. Williams isn't going to race at the top, uh, at at least not in 2020-21. So instead of uh, making that their goal... They thought, well, okay, what if we look back at 2020? We reached Q2 10 times. Let's try to at least have that same goal. So at least 10 times in qualifying two. And maybe we can even uh, get some points, score some points along the way, or maybe get to Q3. And um, well, we have had, we have seen uh, the season and I think Williams did a very good, uh, good job. They even uh, got on the podium, the second place for Josh Russell in Spa. So... I love this reaction, the emotions to it. That's 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 where you really can pinpoint the, the high pressure environment that these guys uh, really operate in. What mm-hmm. I see in my experience, and please correct me if you do not see this, large corporations seem to be suffering from a disease called TANS. There's always a next sprint where the focus is not on what we should should be supposed to be doing right now for this coming sprint, for the coming race. What would happen if scrum team or Formula One teams would treat every race like, ah, fuck it, there's going to be another race. Let's try again next time. Just mm-hmm. lightly yeah. spilling over uh, their work items to the next race. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I would like to add that um, most organizations make that even worse by instead of having as a vision, let's win the next race or let's get to the podium or let's do let's get this achievable objective next race. They have visions that are mostly financially um, motivated. In other words, let's meet the target. And that is completely demotivating. I mean, for people that maybe uh, have a stake in the game financially, so shareholders and stuff like that, the owner, let's passion, motivating. Like, yeah, I made some, <laughs> I made some money there. But to really have the whole team jump out of bed in the morning, ready to get after it, you need like a real vision. So something that's compelling, something that will make people want to do the best work of their lives. And um, I don't think that a lot of companies really invest in creating those types of visions. Yeah. How yeah, I agree with, with Lauren experience? said. As Laura said, it mostly it's not interesting or clear visions. Which I guess if you look at Formula One teams, 
all the people who work in the in the teams are very passionate and very focused and they all only have one goal for for that day or that weekend and i think um maybe we can learn a lot about that for organizations how can they help how can organizations help their scrum teams create those those clear crisp concise passionate goals well have real sprint like, goals and product goals for a start right so not um let's get lots small, of stuff done yeah. this sprint but let's fix this thing in the product kind of sprints right? real goals um not output driven goals but outcome driven goals and that is that is sadly not uh, true in a lot of scrum teams that we see in the <laughs> in wild the no <laughs> in the wild yes but in indeed that's true because what I see happening is there's always work to do, right? There are a million stakeholders in your organizations and there will always be desires. There will always be wishes. So work is always there present to be picked up, but really focusing and honing in on yeah. what is the most valuable thing to pick up next? What is going to be the most valuable thing that we can potentially do to move ahead and win that championship? That's really difficult to do. Why? I think mostly it's because we have too many, too many number one prios. If a team has 20 number one prios, it's hard It's hard to focus. And uh, uh, that also gives pressure to a team. So there, I think when there's a lot of pressure, there's uh, a little room for, for passion and, and focus. And I think you really need those things to get the job done. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of um, uh, a movie I saw in, in, I think, a communications training once where they had uh, children draw a clock in 60 seconds. And then you see really ugly clocks. The essence is drawn, but they're not kind of fun. And then they give them uh, 15 minutes to draw a clock. And all kinds of creativity starts to emerge. And the, the clocks are embellished and they're beautiful. And they're like a clock you would maybe even want to buy. Um, the fun thing there is they allow those children attention to detail, attention to craftsmanship. And that is the second thing in our talk, which is... We talked then about uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery, because we relate most of what we do to IT teams. But in the essence, it's all about that, what I just mentioned, it's, it's, it's craftsmanship and being allowed to deliver quality. Then the work becomes motivating. The, the work becomes part of the reward. So you're not just doing this for money. You're not just doing this to output a lot of stuff. You're doing this because what you're doing is awesome. What you're doing is something you really want to work on. And that is in Formula One teams, that's what why most people are there. Uh, pay is usually not that great in a Formula One team, <laughs> uh, except maybe for the drivers. Uh, but for the people, all the other people working there, they don't make millions. They get paid really normal salaries. And that is because the work itself is so awesome that they don't care about that because they're in racing and that's their passion. That's what they want to do in life. How many people do you encounter that are just working to pay their bills and nothing more? They're just waiting for the clock to hit five and then run off. Yeah, and of course, that's a choice. And if that's your choice, then that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I do my work because I want to create a world of work that we would want our kids to live in, right? So that is something that really makes me want to jump out of bed in the morning. Plus, <laughs> I want to work with people like Lila. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> Likewise. Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not to leave Lawrence alone. 
What can we do to, what can organizations do to really, um, to, to help their people, their employees focus on stuff that they like? Cause that's all the, the whole system looks like we are there. In, if we look, if I'm looking at my son in, in his elementary schools, the focus is on getting the best grade so he can go to the next class or to get it, go to the, to the best school hereafter or go to the, getting the best study so he can get the best job possible with the highest salary. That whole system is rigged. It doesn't work when you want to motivate people to do something that they want to do, that they do because of passion. How can organizations help uh, getting people back to what they really love? I think it's important to involve people in the process. I don't know how it is with you guys, but often you see um, there's something um, for a lot of work gets prepared for the teams and we tell the teams this is what we want and this is how we want you to do it and if you take away that create creativity of the team i think that's i think that's a waste yeah and i think we also un- we overestimate um the wastefulness of uh so-called gold plating right of being able to deliver ridiculous levels of quality and we underestimate the level of motivation and how that level of focus that you would need to to be like a perfectionist in this will in the end actually also lead to a perfect process and therefore less waste um i, I love the 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 movie that is also shown in yuri and kramer's presentation uh of um of, of the bolt that is yeah, created yeah, yeah. for 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 red bull uh because that Atten- that level of attention to detail is in and of itself motivating. If you yeah. watch that movie, you almost <laughs> yeah. want to be a become a bolt producer. Or whatever, or the I don't bolt. care about bolts at all, right? So that, that is... Or the bolts. Yeah. And that is passion. That yeah. Is passion. I'll put the link into the show notes, but indeed, really yeah. honing on, on the small details of every aspect rather than doing large chunks at once, really fixing small incremental incremental steps, ultimately adding up to a really large chunk. I mean, yeah. I can't lose 20 kilos just by the, by the end of the next <laughs> sprint, unfortunately, which would be nice. Uh, it's just impo- impossible. And yet teams and, and organizations seem to be looking for such a silver bullet that's going to help them lose their, all their organizational waste in, in a single sprint, <laughs> which is not going to happen. No, and of, of course, it's it's all kind of commonsensical because it is is about attention to detail, and then being allowed to actually act on the details that you observed. Um, in addition to being really focused on what are we doing it for, so really focused on the customer, really focused on in Formula One, the driver and the sponsors, um, and also the viewers, because those are three customers, so to speak. Um, and then shortening the feedback loop there. Right, so you can validate your assumptions every race, as opposed to once every year or something. I think there's a, there's a there's an angle to that as well. In the episode with Marty Kagan, we were discussing how common sense has become so uncommon that it's not common sense anymore. The thing is, with most of the teams that we work with, and, and that's what I really enjoy about Formula One, is that they are able to distill. Um, the stakeholder wasp nest, the, the hive of stakeholders, um, out of all the rest that's going on, 
it's not that the the stakeholders are saying this is what you need to do. No, they're figuring things out on their own on what they need to do rather than just listening to the stakeholders. And I think that's that's happening way too often in the teams that we work with. How do you feel about that? Well, it's a little bit mixed, honestly, because I think uh, in Formula One, if you look at the influence of stakeholders, there are teams that have drivers because the stakeholders wanted that, right? So um, True. in our presentation, yeah, in presentation like, we talk we about uh, the Haas team, the only American Haas team, uh, the only American uh, F1 team on the on the grid. Uh, they lost their one of their biggest sponsors. Uh, I what is last year, the twenty twenty last season. Um, and they were in, or in need of a new sponsor and they found it in a, a Russian billionaire. But uh, with the Russian billionaire also came his, uh, his son uh, as a rookie driver for the team. With an important note that he is an experienced yeah. driver by this point. He has been in, in it, it uh, took, Formula 2 It took him a couple a of bit. races, so but it was not the most logical choice for, for a rookie for the Formula 1. I... I no, I think Looking he became fifth talent, in, no. sec- in F2 in a championship. So Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and there, and usually- was, there were quite some um, potentially image-damaging mm-hmm. incidents prior yeah. to the season start. And I, I'm being mild here. Where would you consider taking money over image damage? Well, in this case, uh, it was an obvious choice, right? So, uh, do you want your team to uh, exist still? Answer yes. Oh, that's in that case. Um, and and I like the thing you added, right? So it's not that he wasn't a great driver. Uh, it is he wasn't a logical choice because normally you take the one, maybe two out of Formula Two, n- not number five. Um, so for that, you need money. But it's not as if like I have this <laughs> nephew who's never driven a car yeah. before. Yeah. But I want him in a Formula One Enjoy. car. That's that, that's just that's not happening. Not even if you bring lots of dough. You have to be able to drive the car. Uh, but in this case, from the back of the grid instead of from the front yeah. of it, right? So, and of course, that's also what kind of team you are. What I like is that all those teams, they are real teams, even if they're huge, right? So in Agile, we have this notion that when you have worked together with lots of teams, you need big frameworks and lots of official sounding kind of meetings and then formula one i think uh the top teams have like a thousand yeah, 13, people or maybe even more yeah. mercedes red bull thousand plus so yep and they work as one team yeah. right so and then nobody's talking about scaling frameworks there and then yet we're struggling here to do more than <laughs> yes. 15 people yes and that's what we found fascinating right so you can um, if if you're really passionate about this, and if you just optimize for effectiveness, you can create a thousand person team, and they actually work as a team. Yeah. Why? What's that, behind that? What What is that thing that's helping those teams really move forward as being such a group? Oh, that's a great question, Sommer. I think I I I think the I the think passion for the thing that you do plays a big role here. And, if, and of course, it, it flows naturally from looking at every detail, right? So uh, for this detail, we want somebody to like really max out the awesome there. So let's put a team on it. And then all those teams together go into creating the best possible race results. And they all know this. So they, they have a really strong focus on the end result, all of them. 
Nobody's there wondering, <laughs> yeah. why am I creating this Excel sheet? <laughs> is it Everybody five already? exactly <laughs> why they're doing what they're doing. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. That, that, that just doesn't happen in a Formula One team. And um, that's what I like. And that's actually the third point in our presentation where we talk about extreme ownership. Everybody there accepts total responsibility without fear of judgment. And that is, um, we, we have this nice, uh, I love the quote from Rob Smetley that we have in the, in the talk. When you have a blame culture, people spend like 60 to 90% of the effort covering what they've done rather than doing anything positive and understanding the problem, making the car go quicker or making operations slicker. And that, that just sounds like truth to me. <laughs> quicker and slicker. It's a good theme for your sprint retrospective. How can we make our <laughs> team quicker and slicker? And slicker? I like that. <laughs> uh, Rob Smedley is someone who he really knows his stuff, who understands what he's doing. And he's also the, one of the geniuses by, behind the aerodynamic improvements for the coming season. So I appreciate you guys putting, pulling his work out there as well. What brings us to the fourth point? Being, Lawrence, looking at you. Um, well, no excuses. Uh, I already mentioned that at the start uh, because that's con constraints fuel creativity. And uh, when just when I said that, Lila had immediately like ten examples that had most people amazed. Uh, what was the nicest uh, one? Didn't we talk about how the rules and regulations changed? For example, last season or, or mm -hmm. uh, the previous season, uh, the twenty twenty one season, which we we just finished. Um, we saw the, the the season before. We saw a lot of problems with the the tires. Pirelli had a lot of difficulty with the tires. We have a lot of blown up tires. So um, to and and they couldn't they couldn't uh, fix the problem for it for the 2021 season. So uh, they needed some help from the from the FIA. So they created uh, new rules to make sure there was not so much downforce because the downforce. Uh, may create the the, the tires uh, uh, blowing, um, but but you see when they have those new regulations, you can see the creativity of the teams, and 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 you know when when such a rule is applied, you know in the back of your head it's going to be a couple of races and they will find a downforce again. That's how those teams works, and and I guess Lawrence, you said something in the beginning at of not not. Um, Making a lot of fuss and not whining about the rules and regulation changes, but just take them as they are and, and uh, trying to innovate and find your creativity to work around them and get back what you needed to be fast. And Yeah, and of course, it's mm -hmm. not that people like all those rules and all those changes. And yes, they do whine about them. But in the end, it's not an acceptable excuse yeah, for sure. losing a race. Right, so they still get after it and just roll with it. That's what I like. And um, no matter what people change, there will always be something yeah. who will complain about it. Yes, yeah, and and of course the the universal complaint that is actually a valid complaint almost in any organization is complaining about bureaucracy, um, and that is the, the 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 final thing that we point out in our uh, in our presentation and workshop. It's that the speed is paramount. Um, <laughs> And uh, sorry for that uh, sound in between. Uh, let me repeat that. No bureaucracy. Speed is paramount. That's the main thing. Um, and um, if, if your prime directive as a team is to get faster, you can't waste any time on unnecessary bureaucracy. And the, 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 we have a nice example from, from Ferrari, 
uh, where I think they, they like really overhauled the Yeah, that was uh, team. Ferrari who, who Steam that, boss. The, uh, he wanted to streamline decision-making uh, regarding uh, uh, those processes and the, the bureaucracy in the processes. So he got directly involved uh, with the day-to-day work for the teams and is always close. So uh, if there's a decision to make, you don't have to uh, uh, contact him and wait for a couple of hours until uh, he has the time to come around. But he's always near the teams and there were uh, lots of immediate changes to uh, help speeding up those processes. The boss. And this is yes. the boss yep. stepping in to reduce bureaucracy. And that is, I think... That's an important uh, detail. To take away here. <laughs> yeah. That is management's job, right? Limit bureaucracy so that we can be fast. Um, not just wait until teams complain that now is really slowing us down. No, just proactively step in um, and eliminate all the rules that we had in place in some point in time for a good reason, but Show they are no out. longer valid. Yeah. So just ditch them. How does empowerment come to play? Um, I don't think that they talk about empowerment in Formula One teams. It's just a fact of life, right? So we all pitch in. We're all, um, we all feel owner of the team yeah. and we all feel involved um, so you don't have to like empower anyone at all. I don't think that's yeah. they're issue. empowered by default. Yeah, because what they're doing, what they're passionate about, and that's what the power comes from. So that they they won't let them. They you don't have to really empower people there. I think the main thing you need to do is something <laughs> to hold them back. How Let's beautiful not work would that, over time today? <laughs> how how beautiful would that idea be? For all the teams that we work with, when we step into an organization, we do not have to have this discussion on having people or teams empowered making the decision. They're the ones calling the shots for the better of the product. How cool would that Super be? Super cool. <laughs> yeah. Also put me out of work probably, but... No, it's what I, it, that's what I work for, right? And of course, I've been working for that for the past 20 years. Um, so fortunately... That doesn't go so fast that I'm actually out of a job. But in all honesty, if that all of a sudden would become the new reality and I would achieve my goal of that being the norm, then I'm quite confident I'd probably find some other job that I love um, and just be very happy of having been a small part of okay. making that successful. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? <laughs> Ooh. I would probably spend all my. I would probably spend all day creating new presentations. I think so too. Great answer, Lawrence. <laughs> I think we would. <laughs> Before I became too large, too poor, and too fat, I always wanted to become a Formula One driver as well. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Still, really like <laughs> what we're doing here. Yeah. But. How do we move forward? How can pe people take away your lessons, your presentation, and use that for their teams? Well, it starts by um, getting us to talk about it, which, of course, uh, you can listen to this podcast, but also there are several versions of our talk online, uh, different meetups that we went to. And, of course, you can just invite yes, us we're to always happy to talk about talk. Formula we, One. We had this job, talk so. at <laughs> We talked about this, I think, in master classes at Unilever and at several conferences. And um, so it's, this is sort of our thing. We really love to uh, inspire people uh, uh, to, to, to work along these lines. And, um, of course, you can read the book, but you're in Kammer, who also has similar parallels there. And um, but mostly, 
just uh, find us online and, and, and chat because the main, the, the, the wonderful thing, I think also in the Agile community and how it got started, there's a community feel to it. And we'll, we'll just share that knowledge. Because, where, where can people find you? Um, I think that, that goes fastest through our social profiles. Um, so mine is, is Lawrence Bonema on all yeah, the socials. I, I, I so won't I mention mine because <laughs> I have to spell it, but I'm sure some of you will put it up somewhere. Yes, I'll include that in the show notes anyway. Looking ahead into the coming season, what's your expectation Ooh. and what are your hopes? Um, without no, 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 without Dutch got, orange no, glasses well, on. I, I hope that there's going to be a lot of competition. I don't like the dominance and, uh, uh, and that, that doesn't matter if it's uh, Mercedes or Red Bull. I don't like watching one team uh, ride out and... Uh, uh, yeah, always just becoming one, two. That's not what I like about Formula One. I like to see them hunt each other. And, and yeah, that's that's what I wanted to see. So um, I don't think that the whole field is coming together because they, they said they were going to do some regulation, rules and regulations, uh, new rules and regulations to make it uh, possible for teams to... Um, to race each other more to to come together uh, uh, more but i i'm still a little bit skeptic about that i think we're gonna see red bull ferrari and mercedes on top i think the midfield is gonna come closer so maybe we could have some good fights in the midfield and we're just gonna watch the midfield but i don't think they're uh, I... yeah i think we're gonna see three tiered very exciting racers and with three tiered i mean fight yeah. in front Fight in the middle, fight in the back, and they're real fights. You can see lots of overtaking. Overtaking, of, Lawrence, that was uh, the word and, uh, I was looking so for. So lots of real racing. How was it watching a couple of clips from, from races from, let's say, early noughties in, in, in the beginning of the, uh, the 2002, 2004? And those battles were so close. They were driving between yeah. one, two tenths of a second uh, just behind each other. And I think that's that's a point that, that we lost, and unfortunately. The sound. It's all... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That depends who you ask. Because if people are, that are just started watching from yeah. the beginning of, let's say, Drive to Survive, they're used to it. I want screaming yes, engines that will burn. No headphones. Well, unfortunately, no. that's not happening no. anymore. No. The good old days. Well, sometimes we have... Uh, yeah. But everything but the funny used thing to be is better. When you go to races, sometimes they have uh, they they all they have all, all, all kinds of shows around the races, and sometimes they have uh, a race with with classical cars with with old Formula One cars, and then when when you hear that sound again, well, goosebumps all over. Oh Those wow! Those things are yeah. insane. So I went to the Formula One races on Ford in last uh, last September, and just prior to the Formula One race mm. itself, you had the Porsche yeah. Super Cup, and the Porsche Super Cup consists of forty to fifty maxed out Porsches. They make so much more noise than the current Formula One, which also states that how high tech these Formula One engines are, because the, the the noisy stuff, the the really screaming yeah. engines were the V10s, the V8s, V12s. But they weren't as efficient as the things that I do have now, because now it's a 1.6 from the top of my head that pushes out eight to 800 to 1,000 ho- brake horsepower. Back then, it was 700 with, a, with a, uh, an 8-liter eight, eight engine. 
So the efficiency there is amazing. Yeah, true. But also the sound does yep. a lot. I, I, think, I think in the end, we will probably even see very exciting racing in electric cars. And actually, I know for a fact uh, that that's... Sorry, guys, happening. I can't wa- watch but, Formula E. Uh, um, I, I'm sorry. I tried it a couple <laughs> of times, but it, it's, it just isn't my thing. Oh, no. <laughs> Not yet. It's it's the pushing of the boundary. And I think that's also where Lawrence wants to go before we were horribly, uh, interrupting him. But this take... <laughs> yeah. No, I know I'm talking to some real petrol heads here. And of course, if you're a real petrol head, you want to hear that like roaring engine. And I also kind of like that. Uh, I like me some American muscle cars, for example. And that has nothing to do with being environmentally friendly at all. And uh, they make a wonderful sound. And actually... Um, I also like the sound of a real Ferrari engine, for example. However, as much as I like the sound, I know where this is headed. And I like the sheer torque of a really good electric engine. And if you look at the carbon-wrapped engines that uh, Tesla is now creating and how fast they go, that is really ridiculous. And I think to be able to to race one of the really fast Teslas, like the, the, the Roadster, um, and then the new one that is coming that is actually faster than a Bugatti Veyron. That, that I would like to see race around a track, right? So not not the the E, the Formula E that you see, because that is <laughs> sort of boring. But the really fast engines, uh, and then optimized for racing, and that is uh, something that a friend of mine, Joe Justice, is really working with now. Uh, he's a, a race fanatic. He has his own kit cars. That's what he became famous for, like a Vicky Speed doing scrum with creating, creating uh, like essentially a kit car that was road legal that they, that he could race in the mountains. And now he does that big time at Tesla, which is amazing. And it's funny to see because the dude has a Tesla with a, with a huge spoiler on it that he installed <laughs> himself. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it feels so contradictory. Everywhere. Yeah, it seems he just moved to Hawaii, which seems to me to be the most illogical place when it comes to racing because you don't have. Oh, shit you can there. race in the mountains there, like you wouldn't believe. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I feel yeah, like nice, you would just drive like, into lots a of nice turns. It's like driving in Europe, but then <laughs> on the on an island that Where's right warm, after the yeah. race you can just sit on the beach. And, yeah, and exactly. That, there, the, I do feel that there is a bit of more attractive factor to racing in a Y compared to racing in, in this, this parallel world. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- there is an incubation time. That's, that's what I feel. Because they could switch to electric engines from right away, from right now. But the spectator, the stakeholder willingness to pay money for that is just not there yet. So that makes it really hard to, to switch, even though it's more... No, know. but also like the, the real innovation is done currently still in the petrol engines. And that's where all the where the most of the money goes, and therefore you see the most exciting racing there. I think what if if they were to spend that amount of money on developing awesome electric racing cars, then I think it would see some really exciting racing really quickly. I think it's going to take another fifteen years before we get. It to Yeah, they have it to put a big speaker on it. Still, yeah, right? I mean, it would just sound like whoosh, and that mm. as amazing as it is, does well make you feel nostalgic for yes. when engines roar. But again, that's, yes. a, that's a generational thing. People who will just start watching when they have electrical engines will have no they, different they w- preference. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, I think that if you 
if you make people listen to a, like a good V12, that that's in and of itself a really rewarding sound. I do feel so, but I've seen people that were, were like, no, that doesn't bring doesn't really do the thing for me. Yeah, they haven't seen Lila jump up. And down. <laughs> no, I threw him in the ditch afterwards. <laughs> no, just needs. Hey guys, I'm not going to take up any more of your time on a Friday afternoon. Again, I'll include the show notes where people can find you, uh, the, the links to your your yeah. profiles as well as to the clip of the bolt uh, and your presentation. Thank you very much for being here, for your willingness, and for getting back from your dinner. <laughs> Thanks for to having be us, here, Lila. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You have too. an amazing weekend, guys. As you may have noticed, we can continue talking about Formula One for days, especially with the new season being around the corner, coming here in only 48 days. Looking forward to that very much. Now again, go to our Discord community, find us there, link in the show notes. Talk to us, interact with us. We, we really want to build a community that we can learn from each other, develop. Not just with this podcast, it's more about that. It's really helping people grow. And that's my ultimate goal. Find, find us there. Hope to talk to you there. And see you guys next week. <laughs>